0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast.
0: We got another great one for you today, folks. Happy Thursday, and welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. We have a guest coming up. In just a couple of minutes that I think, I don't know how long you guys have been playing fantasy sports. I know that I've talked about how I'm at about 20 years now. And uh, the person we're going to talk to on today's show is a first-time guest of the podcast. Someone that I've been reading basically since he started writing about it. Which is, I don't think, the full 20 years, um, but probably in the neighborhood of like 15, if I had to guess. And you'll just have to wait and find out. It's a little bit of a secret at this point. Because I didn't tease it. I didn't know that it was going to be on today's show. I wasn't sure exactly when this thing was going to get released. But, uh, yeah, so that's coming up today. I want to open today's show the way we've been doing from time to time. And that is to kind of deep dive a particular player and try to figure out what what it really means for them. And one of the guys that... You know, first of all, I, I released my Dan vespers Old Man Squad for HoopBall subscribers yesterday. I posted it in, in Discord. Um, it's not available on the HoopBall website. It's not available on social media yet. The subscribers have asked for it, and I think that generally they, they probably earn getting it a few days beforehand. The rest of you will see the D-bombs by the end of the weekend. So if you have a very late draft, that'll still be useful for you. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know already who I like. If you've been paying attention, you know already. But I want to actually take one of those guys out and explain why they're on the list. And you can probably then extrapolate to who else might be on the list. The D-bombs this year, by the way, that stands for the Dan vespers Old Man Squad. It's uh, It's a silly acronym, and they're not... All old players, but they often are. They often are not all, but many. And it has to do with guys who tend to have sort of fantasy unappealing stat sets, but then end up with a much higher ranking than people realize. Either because of a sort of a combination of efficiency, people don't pay attention to percentages very closely, people don't pay attention to turnovers very closely, defensive stats often get overlooked, and basically everything besides points and assists for the most part. You don't, of course, then, with that in mind, see that many high scorers on the Dan Vesper's Old Man Squad. And in general, you don't see that many high assist guys, although there's a couple that are not terrible in that particular department, and, and certain ones get different bumps. There are three categories in the Dan Vesper's Old Man Squad this year. There's the before 180p free-fallers, which is sort of the traditional Old Man Squad, guys that are getting drafted in pretty much every league but too late, category number two is a category called the risky roto per game plays guys that are extraordinarily risky but in a roto games cap league are ridiculous values because of their per game upside and the after 100 upsiders the guys that i think have an opportunity to really make a giant leap forward this year with some caveats and various strings attached and those are the guys that i think the the dudes in Discord were probably looking for, the the guy, who was Dan targeting in, like, rounds eight and beyond, basically. But today on the show, I want to start by breaking down... I don't think I even give you a traditional welcome to the podcast yet, but I want to break down one of the before 180p free-fallers and try to explain why these guys end up on that list. So one of those names on that list is uh, Draymond Green. And it's almost like he was... Created for the Dan Bespurs Old Man Squad, but hadn't made the list all that often, largely because he's always in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. He's a well-known name. He was on teams that won championships. He's sort of one of the NBA's heels, so to speak. The guy who loves to play act the bad guy. Even though very clearly these guys all get along great, and he's one of the when he's he's sort of one of the the brains of the NBA. In that, like he's on LeBron's show, or he was on LeBron's show, and he's the guy that gives all the, the really interesting interviews, and he's on the TNT panel, and so then he you know he goes out and he plays the heel. Draymond Green is on the Dan Basper's old man squad finally, because finally he's been on a team that hasn't made playoff noise in a while. He's been kind of out of the spotlight, even if he finds his way into studios and still does TV shows, and interviews, and things like that. But from a basketball standpoint, his team hasn't been in the spotlight as much. I honestly believe that's why Steph Curry isn't, wasn't, at least before the Kyrie Irving news moved James Harden up into that top tier. It's, it's why I believe Ky, uh, Steph Curry wasn't the consensus number two, because the Warriors just haven't been in the spotlight the way they were in the past. Nikola Jokic, number one, he was the damn MVP. Harden, always in the spotlight. Brooklyn drama, MVP race, Houston, whatever. All those years, 8-cat fantasy juggernaut. Steph was hurt a little bit. Year and change in there, he was dinged up. And then he he was good last year again. But I I don't want to talk about Steph. I'm here to talk about Draymond Green at the front end of this show. His ADP right now is 61.4, which seems pretty damn accurate based on the fact that last year he was number 58 on a per game basis in nine category leagues which by the way relatively high turnovers so it's not like he's getting a big turnover bump in nine categories in fact he's actually seeing a, a slight ding on his numbers average 7.7 boards nine assists 1.7 steals 0.8 blocks 44.7 percent from the field abandoned his backpack wearing three-point stroke and 79.5 percent at the free throw line but he didn't take any so you know, the, the, the volume stuff for Draymond is basically inconsequential. The fact that he wasn't a good shooter from the field meant nothing because he took only six shots per game. The only way that that matters is if he's making two or four or anything on either side of that. Like, if he was shooting 33% or worse, it would be a negative impact, or 67% or better, it'd be a positive impact. But anywhere pretty much in between those, you kind of don't care. So it hurts you in points, he hurts you in threes, and he actually hurt you in turnovers last year. And you could say, oh, well, the field goal But again, field goal percent was pretty much net neutral because he didn't take any. Positive impact rebounds, assists, steals. um, Ever so slightly positive impact in blocks, although we'd like to see that one get a little bit higher. However, the point of this discussion is actually to illuminate the fact that Draymond got off to a terrible start last year. If you look at his first month and a half of last season, Draymond Green was not even inside the top 200. It was an horrendous start to the year. If you look at the first two months of the season, he barely starts to claw into the picture at all. At that point, he's number 147, five points rebounds, 8 assists. Some of the rebounding stuff was because they were just insisting on trying James Wiseman and Draymond at power forward, and it was not good. He also shot 67.5% at the free throw line, which again, not a big deal, but look, what did I just tell you? If he's really only making 2 out of his 6 shots per game, suddenly field goal percent does become a negative, and he was basically making 2 out of 6 shots at this point. But, again, we've now lumped part of his resurgence into our first chunk of time. If you go from the first month and a half of the season, which was late December to early February, and you wipe that out and just go early February to end of season, which was May the 16th, what Draymond Green was that? Well, things changed a little bit. He was number 23 over those last basically 45 games of the year. 8 points, 8 boards, almost 10 assists, 2.8 combined defensive stats, 48% from the field, 81 at the free throw line, which admittedly the free throws, I don't know if that's going to stick, and the 48% from the field, probably not going to stick, but those don't really matter. That doesn't move him almost at all because he doesn't take any shots. The thing that was notable for Dre in here was getting near 10 assists the big steals and blocks totals, the rebounds up from 6 to 8 from the early going, that's the stuff that made him a top a second rounder over that stretch. He was relatively healthy in there also. Um there are a couple teams that had like 50 games, Warriors had like 49 or 50 and he played. Or no, I think he had, I think Warriors had like 48 games in there and he so he missed a couple. But what are we talking about here? Like missed about 8% of their games. But by totals, he was actually number 18 over that stretch. Ahead of freaking Bam Adebayo, who's, you guys know, one of my targets. He missed his games over that stretch, by the way. Nikola Jokic, still your number one guy running away at that point. Dame was number three. Jimmy Butler was number four. Remember, Jimmy missed most of his games closer to the beginning of the year. Um, Chris Paul was number six in there. Cat was number eight. So he was actually back on track a little bit. Jonas Valanciunas was number 10. Michael Porter Jr. was number 12 by totals in there. But again, okay, forget totals for a minute. Let's We can go back to per-game averages. That's what everybody prepare, uh, prefers anyway, especially if you're looking at Roto, you're chasing upside. Draymond Green was number 23 over that stretch. I'd like to point out some of the players he was ahead of over the last three months of the season on a per-game basis. He was ahead of Freddie Van Vliet, Michael Porter Jr., Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, LeBron James, Julius Randle, Paul George. Yeah, I was scrolling down the list to see if any other interesting names popped up. Luka Doncic! Like, smoked him! Luka was number 59 over the last three months last year, because he shot a high volume 69% of the free throw line. 59, Luca. Three months, that's not a small sample size. Why is Draymond Green on the Dan Vesper sold man squad? Because he doesn't score. And so he's getting drafted at the end of the fifth round, beginning of the sixth sometimes. And I think I've actually been pretty conservative with my estimates on him. I gave his per game ranking in the mid fourth. So low 40s, and I think by totals, he's very close to that as well. I think he probably plays about 72 out of 82 games this season. So his total numbers are probably going to be almost right on point with his per-game stuff. But, I mean, we're talking about a Draymond Green who was basically non-existent for a month and a half last year in a short season. It was a four-and-a-half-month season last year. You wipe. I mean, he blew up a third of his year and still managed to beat his ADP this season on a per-game basis last season. I'll tell you why I like Draymond again this year. Because the Warriors have to win. They need to be in a better shape when Klay Thompson comes back than they spent most of last season. They're not a team that's guaranteed to make the playoffs. They know they've got to go collect wins where they can. So Dre's going to be fighting from day one. Steph's going to be fighting from day one. Wiggins is actually going to be fighting from day one. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with Wiseman. He doesn't really fit all that well because the Warriors' best lineups involve Draymond Green at center, and that's one small area of concern. Are they going to try to jam that square peg in a round hole? But hopefully they see it, and it's floor space in time, and that's where Draymond really excels. So give me Draymond Green at the end of the fifth round. I think he smashes that ADP. And he's a member of the Dan Basper's Old Man Squad. And if you want to try to figure out the other guys, hopefully you've been paying attention to the show. You can probably see what I generally look for. A guy whose per-game production probably beats his ADP. And if there's any measure of durability, then he just goes roaring past that. It was the Chris Paul theory from the last two years. Could this guy's per-game production be worse than his average draft position? The answer was basically no on Chris Paul. There was no way his per game number was gonna be less than like thirty five, so any durability any at all, and that that starts to hit again. I'll get the rest of this list out in the next few days for the general public if you are a hoopball premium subscriber of any kind, meaning draft guide b one fifty fantasy pass hoopball three sixty old school, all fantasy passes. Get in the Discord. That's where the graphic is posted right now. And if you need help finding the Discord, you can hit me on Twitter at Dan DanBespris or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com and ask for a Discord code. We'll get you set up that way. This, by the way, is Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Happy Thursday to you all. Season right around the corner. We're five days away now. want to thank everyone. Yesterday, Wednesday, October the 13th, 2021, was the most... Single most downloaded day in the history of this podcast. I don't actually know what episodes people were listening to. I could probably dive in and try to figure it out. It wasn't all yesterday's episode, but some of it certainly was. But it was just people finding episodes of Fantasy NBA Today, uh, and it became the most single downloaded day in the history of the show. So super, super awesome. Um, I mean, there was a time like a year and a half ago where we didn't get that many downloads in a month, and we did it in a day. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's keep it going today. Again, follow me on Twitter at Dan DanBespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, to new listeners. You can just Google Dan from HoopBall, and my Twitter feed will pop right on up, so that's super easy to find. Uh, hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions about fantasy. If you want to write or work for us or podcast with us here at HoopBall, we are recruiting And please take a moment to drop a five-star review or write something nice about the podcast if you've been enjoying this wild run-up to the season, 31 shows in 31 days here in the month of October. Um, Again, kind of annoying to find. If you're on a mobile device, open podcast app and search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title and scroll down to the bottom of the screen. If you're on a computer, open up iTunes. Same deal. Go to the podcast tab, search for Fantasy NBA Today. And in that one, it's easier. There should be just a rating and review button right out there for you to grab. You will wait no longer because I don't want you to. Let's talk to today's guest. I'm very excited because I've wanted to have this guest on for multiple years and that means now that you, Ryan, you have to live up to this billing cuz I've been like waiting <laughs> and hoping and the day is here. The great Ryan Canause of NBC Sports Edge. I've been practicing not calling it Roto World and I think I'm actually getting this right now. First of all, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Like, I'm gonna gush a little bit, but first, hello. I'm gonna give you young Uncle Uncle Leo treatment here. Hello. Thanks, Dan. Uh, (laughs) Nice
1: nice to be here. Uh, Yeah, no, no pressure. You know, I was always, still am, rather a reluctant podcast guest. Uh, Surely, the purpose of that was to build up pressure and expectation <laughs> for myself. Of course, that was the ultimate goal. So thank you for clarifying.
0: Of course, yeah, I figured that's what uh, what you were up to. You can, of course, find Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Knaus, R-Y-A-N-K-N-A-U-S. Look for a p- picture. By the way, it's really hard to say sentences with the name Detlef Schrempf in them. For some reason, mm. that's a name you, like, saying it by itself is not that hard. But when I try to say it in a sentence, my mouth Detlef- fumbles all. Yeah, deadlift shrimp shuck, shucked shrimp, deadlift shrimp <laughs> shucked shrimp. Yeah, like that. We needed. I needed to do that more before hitting the record button. I think. But look for deadlift on shredder on Twitter. See, I called it shredder. You
1: said, <laughs> what, is this what's happening? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle podcast? Are we getting shredder references? You know what's
0: funny is one of my fantasy teams is. Uh, well, I guess we're getting way off topic here, but uh, I have I've many times used. Uh, villains from 1980s and 90s cartoons as my fantasy team name because then you can throw the little picture in there and it's so intimidating i've used villains from tmnt shredder or uh i would go krang in krang that yeah. yeah um yeah. i've used flintheart glomgold from ducktales that was a fun one. Oh wow yeah deep pull deep I like I <laughs> that's right a deep cut um so ryan first of all like i said i was gonna gush a little bit um i did a podcast Last week with Dr. A, and I've talked to Dr. A a couple of times, but this continues to be very cool for me. I know I've kind of been in the industry now for a few years, but you are one of the guys that I read a ton uh, when it was when it was Roto World still, um, be- and you kind of introduced, I think, me and probably a lot of other people to a more advanced way of looking at at numbers, at player statistics and being able, and predictive statistics, so... First of all, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Thank you for that. And um, rather than just ask you your background in this stuff, like how did you how did you come to that realization that you could use that type of knowledge to bulk up what you're able to do mm-hmm. in fantasy?
1: Uh, well, first of all, thank you very kind words. It's it's interesting. I'm still wrapping my head around having that veteran status in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had started doing this job kind of freelance for years, writing articles, writing columns uh steve alexander brought me on board initially i worked with brew in the early days all that good stuff and really what changed for me in terms of looking at it from a more analytical perspective and what led to my uh column series the numbers game uh is simply i went to grad school for public policy and started dealing with large data sets and learning how to manipulate them and statistics are not my forte i'm more of a writer uh you know, more in that vein. In fact, in college, I took one introductory statistics course and got a D. (laughs) Um, So it, it wasn't a strength of mine. It wasn't something that came naturally. But once I started thinking of it in terms of like, oh, I can solve problems. Like I have a question and I can answer it by manipulating this data and coming up with different answers. And it was really satisfying. And I find the challenge of organizing data and manipulating it and making sure that you're checking your own biases at the door, that kind of thing, and coming up with objective solutions or at least suggestions um, to be really rewarding and satisfying and kind of invigorating. Like I'll get lost in a spreadsheet and my wife and many people probably think I'm crazy, but (laughs) (laughs) I I, I just love it. And once you solve something or like Google, how do I use VLOOKUP in Excel to figure this or this out? Like it is a rewarding process. And yeah, in the end, you come up with what hopefully are objective or as objective as you can, uh, statistics and rankings and type things like this to present to people.
0: Well, one more light gush before we pivot hard into fantasy stuff. Um, the the world took notice. You're a two-time Fantasy Writer of the Year award winner, so congratulations on that. Thanks. You got it, man. Okay, so now taking this unique approach, because you, I I think, at least, I mean, I don't know, I didn't see anybody doing it before you, but I think you are sort of the pioneer in that. Where does that... And you and you can talk about this from a this year perspective or even more of a broader uh, overview. Um, Where does that tend to lead you during draft season? Like, and I don't want you to, to give away how the whole sausage is made here. That's not my intention. But, you know, how do how do you handicap going into a season using those types of methods?
1: Uh, it's a great question. And I mean, I'm happy to give away as much information as I can. In fact, currently I have a spreadsheet that has rankings and projections for 270 plus people. Uh, you can put in custom points values and it'll pop out you know rankings for all 270 players based on those rankings. Uh, it's all based on Z-scores. So I'm trying to implement everything I've learned and the best way to analyze data and then present it in a way that Someone just drafting their first fantasy team could look at this and see a list of players and sort it by their league type and have a solution. Or if you're a veteran fantasy player and you wanna go super deep, you can tweak how many projected games Joel Embiid is gonna play or how many minutes Trey Young might get, or uh, there's a custom column for just like a growth percentage, I call it. So if you think that the new rule against uh, offensive players leaning in and drawing fouls, especially on the perimeter is gonna really hurt Trey Young, you could maybe dock him a couple percentage points. So based on his production last year, he'll dip. So all these different ways to customize it. And once you do, it automatically updates the entire spreadsheet. So that's almost, this is the first year I've taken it to that level. And it's sort of a culmination of things I've done. Um, some of the analyses I've done are just kind of one-off things. Like what is the correlation between usage and fantasy value? How does it how does it differ from eight cat to nine cat in obvious ways because of turnovers, But. Uh, things like that, like which categories are scarcest, Um, you know, it turns out blocks and assists, maybe that's intuitive to people. They think that, but then to see it objectively and to know, oh, and actually blocks are slightly scarcer, or, or whatever it might be, um, all of those can be very powerful in terms of building a a team, Uh, combining them is super difficult, right? Like there's no one solution because I hold my plans very lightly going into drafts. So despite having done all this research and having all these concepts at hand, it still doesn't lead me to like, I will draft this way. Right. (laughs) Right I I, I have my rankings and I have certain ideas in my head about what categories we'll be able to find later and what, you know, all these different things. Um, And yet you still have to be malleable on draft day. And we can, we can get into that too, if you'd like.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Actually, that's a perfect segue here. Um, We, I kind of had two tree branches we could climb from that starting point, but let's go Mm -hmm. down the draft day stuff. So you found then uh, tangibly here that blocks and assists are indeed very difficult to find. Uh, is one of them harder to find later than the other?
1: Uh, typically assists uh, turn. Yeah. And that's another great point you bring up. So there's like overall scarcity in terms of how many players in the top 200, et cetera, uh, are above the league average or, um, uh, things like that in a given category and then where are they located. So that's what you're getting to in terms of scarcity in the later rounds and on the and on the waiver wire, much easier to pick up a guy who's plus, you know, value added in blocks than it would be assists. Uh, especially to find a player who won't tank you elsewhere. You know, usually the high assist guys late in rounds will hurt your field goal percentage. They'll if they're getting a lot of dimes, they're probably also collecting a lot of turnovers. Whereas the high blocks guys are just going to be You know, low minutes, low usage, collecting some swats, boards, maybe helping your field goal percentage and more plentiful. So uh, Hmm. for sure, I'm never too, too fretful if I don't have a ton of block. Whereas if I haven't found dimes early, I typically won't try to chase them. I find that if I don't have elite dimes in the first four picks somewhere in there, I'm not going to try to make up the deficit. I'm much happier to just punt assists and Hmm. build in a different direction.
0: Would you be comfortable doing that in both head-to-head and roto, or in roto are you looking? You you never get past a particular round, say, without getting them in that format. It goes for me. I mean,
1: you, punting in roto for me is just a non-starter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know that 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 doesn't work. I, I would never intentionally try to punt. So, no different strategy in roto. than I would, you know, pivot and try to find those dimes,
0: scarce though they may be. So uh, again using this sort of first of all the the sheet that you prepared that sounds like an how much how much work was that <laughs> Oh a ludicrous amount <laughs> That is a it's lot It's very very time consuming. And I'm like
1: learning Excel on the fly. And I'm like, why isn't this formula working? And just constantly (laughs) referring to YouTube. Uh, So no, hey, and if there are any Excel experts listening, please give it a once over. Let me know what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right. Um, But it is a powerful tool. I think it came out well. So give it a look. You can find it on Twitter if you just head to my account.
0: Ryan Kanaus. by the way, on Twitter, R-Y-A-N-K-N-A-U-S. Follow him immediately and check out that document. Oh, I know what I wanted to do, and I want to come back to draft strategy as well, but I I just realized you and I were in the uh, NBC uh, Sports Edge live uh, video draft, and the recap of it done by uh, Brad, is it Stonebaker? Stonebreaker, breaker, of course. He liked my team the best. Last name, but you got you got biffed there. You got screwed with a a Kyrie Irving auto pick in the second round. That's rough, man. I did, and listen, I'll take full
1: blame for that. Sometimes you know, veterans got to take their lumps too. I hadn't removed Kyrie from my queue. I knew I was going to be right at the computer. I got my spreadsheet open. Why you know why take the time to import ranks and so forth? So. I didn't. I got distracted by a technical issue I was trying to deal with during the show. And I got autoed into Kyrie as the (laughs) second round pick. So not ideal, obviously. Uh, Brad was very kind in his recap of the draft. He took the auto into account. Um, (laughs) But in general, I I had given him the draft with no names attached. Now he knew because of Twitter that that Kyrie had fallen to me. But those grades where he puts you top of the pack, he did not know. You are on deck. deck.
0: That is wonderful. That is wonderful. I will take all the credit in the universe, and I and I I feel as though I've truly <laughs> earned it.
1: <laughs> it's all merited.
0: Yeah, fully. Um, okay, so, all right, you're, you're set up on draft day. You know where scarcity is. You know kind of where you need to attack, where you don't. How does that then roll into the values you're looking for on draft day? Are you looking uh stat specific are you looking at ADP's what's your process for finding the diamonds in the rough over there
1: oh ADP is interesting um and i think when you look at ADP it is sucking in so much data i mean it doesn't even differentiate between league type so are people drafting a points league or eight cat or nine cat it doesn't matter on most sites for ADP it just lumps them together generic take now You can compare pre-ranks, you know, if you have your own rankings and find those values and the guys who might slide to you. Uh, And that itself can be quite powerful. But for the most part, I'm kind of ignoring ADP because there's no, truly, it's all about preparation for me. So obviously I mentioned the spreadsheet multiple times, but I'll go in and I have my ranks. And then as players are drafted, I remove them from my spreadsheet. I see who's left. Everything's updating automatically. So I know how many assists are left and how many rebounds are left. And a lot of people have targets especially once the hype train gets rolling and some of these players get bumped up. And, you know, LaMelo Ball is and will be fantastic. But if he's being hyped up into the top 15, I don't see any value there anymore. That that may be where he lands, but I'm not getting value added. So, you know, e- even the guys I love, I don't necessarily target all the time. It depends where other people are viewing. Them.
0: Yeah, that's, I feel like that's a really good way to break it down. If figuring out where that point is is probably the I don't want to say the hardest part but certainly the most important and maybe the most disagreed upon part when you sort of run analyst to analyst to analyst where does a guy get priced out uh, on draft day Mm. what about um, Ryan what about some of the later guys where you're not maybe not worried as much about someone getting priced out how do you figure out who a late grab might be for sure i mean to some
1: extent position will come into play there i find these days most sites have become much more lenient with position eligibility so usually by the end of a draft i'm not like trying to pick up another power forward you know that kind of thing i find that used to be the case quite a bit but now with looser position definitions and and things like that it's not a huge deal so usually at that point i am looking for statistics um or you know if there's a, a glaring area of need Or it's just overall value. In the later rounds, of course, everyone likes, you know, stacking their team with lottery balls. So for sure, upside guys. Like I'm less inclined to go for the boring staid veteran who I know will probably hover around top 100 than I am betting on a younger guy who might go off. Um, So, you know, even someone like, I don't know, buddy healed like he he's solid he's coming off a tough year the percentages were were there he might get traded he'll probably finish top 100 for sure i think last year he was still top 100 despite the brutal start and an awkward role uh but i'd rather you know follow my colleague jonas nader on this one and, and go after d'anthony melton or someone who has more permanent upside and could potentially pop uh maybe that's not the the cleanest example of that but just hunting that upside as opposed to boring guys. Like I will never draft Harrison Barnes, for instance.
0: <laughs> I that you know I was in that camp, and then he was not horrible last year. And I thought, well, no, he was pretty good.
1: Career high dimes, I think. He was like career highs almost everywhere. And what he played thirty seven minutes a game. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Never left the court. He is durable. I'm not trying to hammer on harry barnes too much but
0: no go ahead man he's 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 the oldest boring
1: and yeah despite despite all those things that i just said i think he was like what top 80 like it wasn't even that good
0: no it was like everything broke perfectly and he was like number 84 or something like that is he i've called him i think he's still only like 28 years old he's got to be the oldest 28 year old i've ever seen (laughs) that seems almost unbelievable He's um, taken
1: the the title from Derek Favors for a long time. I'm like, this guy has to be 45. He's like, <laughs> and he's, like he's like
0: 29. Yes, out of here. I Favors. thought that was me. I was supposed to be the oldest young guy. Now I'm just, now I'm just right. old. I'm no longer an old young guy. I'm just an old man now. Um, so okay, so then again, I don't, I don't want you to give give away the the whole farm, but. De'Anthony melton that sounds like something you're that you're interested in late i you know i we all love De'Anthony melton we all wish that taylor jenkins would actually play the poor guy um who are who's maybe one other this this is fantasy crack for the listeners who's ryan late round target we can give one away here on the show
1: we can go i feel i mean i'll give you more if you want them but um a, a teammate i think desmond bain is going to be a guy oh interesting a guy to target Mel- melton gets more of the heat and the permanent stats and this and that but i think bain is well positioned he's a lights out three-point shooter on a team that can really use it he has a chance to start if he doesn't start he's going to get a ton of minutes um you know th- definitely a team to watch in terms of that lineup and rotation early in the season but i'm um, you know i'm Betting on Bain to come out with decent value, Uh, you know, maybe not a guy who's going to just explode given his role on the team, but uh, just a, a solid quality guy kind of falls, you know, similar to Sadiq Bey, another guy I would also target in the late rounds. Just guys coming off solid seasons whose role should only improve and we've yet to see their ceiling. I love all those things.
0: No, I don't. We don't. I want to give it all away here because I want to make sure people go and follow you on Twitter at Ryan so They can get the rest going that direction. Let me ask you one more question about the draft, and then I'll let you get back to your day. There has been, and I'm quite guilty of this, a lot of discussion about what to do. Basically, if you have the uh, one of the first four picks, not necessarily in the first round, but in the second and third, because it seems like this year. There's like six second rounders and like 18 third rounders. Mm-hmm. What do you like doing in the 21 to say 28 range in there? Who are, who are the names you like and who do you think maybe more importantly, people should not be drafting in there?
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Um, yeah. I I'll take it. That I went the other way on that one. I flipped it.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's I'll put on my, my hater cap for yeah. a second.
0: Uh, uh, call out a name. Like... Call out all many names. If you so desire.
1: Um, no, well, I'll, I'll I'll say that Zach Levine doesn't really interest me. He he's going coming off a great
0: year, but Thank I just you. feel like. Wait, no, please. Let's let's. Bu- I I don't mean to jump in on you on this one because you're the first yeah. person that I've talked to. I think that shares my take, which is, like, he was twenty five nine cat last year on a per game basis. And suddenly he's going like eight slots He'll ahead of through. that everywhere. Why? Why is this happening? He the, people came in around him. It should have gone the
1: other way. Oh, maybe he's been insanely durable throughout his career. No, he, no well, that's not it. Yeah, um, he's got a. Maybe he didn't have a high usage teammate role next to him who also can handle the ball as a playmaker. Nope that that happened too. Um, you know, I just don't see see it I think the ball is going to be in his hands enough to improve upon last year don't get me wrong he's an, an awesome player fun to watch all those things but i don't see him getting better than he was last year which as you said was really good
0: yeah i just i don't know i i'm
1: so i gamble on shea gilder Alexander, or um you know michael porter jr for and Lamella Ball would fall into that camp to Mountis Sabonis if he's not already off the board, which he probably will be by then. Um, do, you, do you happen to know, like, would Sabonis fall into that camp, or is he an er, is he a, a consensus early second rounder at this point?
0: No, I think yeah, I think that he uh, probably falls into the early area of that. I've seen him go anywhere from like seventeen to twenty three. He's probably not going to make it into the second half of that chunk, but yeah, he feels like a nice safe guy in there. What are your um? What are your thoughts on Rudy Gobert? I, I've been, I've sort of accidentally become kind of a Rudy Gobert guy this year, only because he's also sort of safely in that area. And again, we were just talking about positional scarcity. People are like, well, you know, all he does is get blocks and and is amazing at field goal percent. And I'm like, yeah, but also those are not nothing. They're important. Does he belong mm-hmm. in there, you think? hmm it's interesting he
1: he does belong in there but like i said i never like to chase for instance rudy gobert or like miles turner in the late 30s or something just feels too high for me because the value is so concentrated that's something that's actually an analysis i hope to do this year is come up with a a fantasy concentration index basically so you could look at every player and see how much of their value is derived from each category and then Built based upon that, figure out which players are the most concentrated and which are the most diffuse or uh, well rounded, if you will. Oh, I like so that. That'll be it. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. I guarantee Miles Turner will, will be way, way high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think? Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it's just like, I, I get it. But yeah, to get those three categories with your second round pick. And maybe you're winning that, like, maybe that's enough. And obviously his fantasy value speaks for itself. When you look at Z scores, he's consistently a top 20 guy. He's extremely durable. So let's not overlook that. But for me, knowing all the fun centers that I want to target, that I want to go for Moban, I want to go, I want to try for Chris Boucher, who usually has center eligibility and gives you much, you know, the same stats. um, Rudy Gobert. So when I look at the board where he's being drafted, there are more appealing guys at other positions. So doesn't really do it for me.
0: All right, and you are officially out of the hot seat, Ryan. Uh, first of all, you reluctant podcaster, you're, I'm probably going to have to get you back if or when you do finish that <laughs> uh, concentration score. So apologies in advance for what I'm. I'm definitely going to be bugging you in the future. But uh, thank you so much for coming on today. I, again, I've been. I've been uh, hoping for it for a while, and, and now you're finally here, and it was glorious. Thanks again. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks, Dan. Follow him on Twitter. I already told you, Ryan Kanaus on Twitter. Maybe you can find out some more of the Ryan Knauss sleepers that I didn't make him give here on the podcast. Ryan, have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dan. You too. There is a non-zero chance that Ryan Kanaus is the smartest man in fantasy sports. Absolute privilege to get to talk to. I know you guys are probably, like, Dan enough with the, like, groveling. But, guys, please try to put yourselves in my shoes here. I know that this is sort of a niche industry. I'm fully aware of that. Fully aware of it. Um, but at the same time, these are the guys. Like, Aaron Bruski, who I work for. Dr. A, Ryan Knauss. These are guys I, I, don't want to say I grew up because I was already in or out of college at that point, but I kind of, my fantasy love, my fantasy career even grew up with these guys. So very cool to get to talk to Ryan. Uh, check out his stuff. It's really awesome. It, Ryan's list and Brew's list were the two that I always used back in like 2007 and 8 or whenever it was. I used their two lists and I put them together and I put them next to my own list and I go, okay, what am I missing? How are these guys getting to this spot? That was it. That was how I did all my drafts. Such a sharp dude. We'll get him back um, whether or not he comes up with the stat concentration. That was just sort of a me picking on him as a way to to get him back on the show. I think that about does it for today's program. Uh, This show, as always, brought to you by by our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Make sure to sign up for an account with promo code HoopBall so they know who sent you. And of course, we'll let you know the next odds boost that pops up. I think there was one on uh, Thursday night football. I, I don't know. It's a long shot odds type of thing. And over at manscaped.com promo code there, hoopball 20 to get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get from our pals at manscaped. They're fantastic. They make a wonderful product. I'm actually going to, um, clean up my neck hair at some point today, which I'm sure you guys are just positively thrilled to hear about at the tail end of a podcast. But you know what? I don't care. That's how it's going to be. Uh, Coming up over the next couple of shows, we're going to have Aaron Bruschi on probably over the weekend, I think, just making sure that we get the schedules lined up. I want to do a redux on the Yahoo Top 25 in their rank board because they've been moving dudes around. I want to do an ESPN quick breakdown for those of you that are on the ESPN side. Uh, And then I'll have some more real draft results to go over with you guys as well as we continue our ramp up to NBA's opening night tip off on Tuesday 31 shows 31 days again please do drop a five-star review if you like the show and even more so please uh subscribe to the podcast and follow me on Twitter at Dan vespers folks have a lovely lovely Thursday another big thank you to Ryan Kanaus. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA today so long